Welcome to Kingdom of the Logos, a Christian program of critical thinking and adventure. I'm J. Dylan Proctor, and in this video, we're going to be talking about the, the question that was presented to me about interracial dating slash marriage and what the Bible says about that topic. So this was something that was sent to me in a private message, and I really think it would be a great conversation for us to all have together. So that being said, if you have any questions, comments, or thoughts about this, please send them to me. You can find me on Twitter at J. Dylan Proctor or on the many Facebook outlets, whether it be my personal page, the Jolton Church of the Nazarene page, or the Kingdom of the Logos page. Post it. I'm easy to get in touch with or however you listen to our content. Let's get into this. Someone asked me the question, what does the Bible say about interracial dating and marriage? Well, the short answer is this. There's nothing wrong with interracial romance because race has no moral value. In fact, when we look throughout Scripture, we will find the theme that God cares much less about what race people are than their faith. In fact, we will find that our identity is not found in some group or collective thing, but it is instead found in our personal acceptance of Christ. We are born again, and that is our new identity. Our world has this very destructive obsession with identity, and we'll get back to how that's so destructive towards the end. But that is the short answer. The short answer is, again, interracial dating and marriage is a non-issue because our identity is found in Christ and race has no moral value. Well, let's talk about the long answer because there are a lot of people who will look to the Old Testament and say, well, what about this passage here? What about this, this over there? And I want to give us the tools to debunk these arguments because there are a lot of people in the world who only know enough about morality, they only know enough about the Bible to use it as a weapon against their opponents. And if you only know enough about Scripture to use it as a weapon, well, you don't know that much about it at all. If you only know enough about morality to use it as a weapon, well, you're not very moral. So the long is this. Here's the long answer. If we are intellectually honest about Scripture and what it says about the topic of interracial dating and marriage, we will find that there is really nothing wrong with such because our identity is found in God, our faith in God and our acceptance of the testimony of Christ. We can deduce this from a holistic approach to examining Scripture. And yes, holistic, it's a big word. It sounds like the word holy, but it actually is more associated with the word whole, with W-H-O-L-E. And this is the approach to Scripture which takes into consideration not just a specific passage, but it also looks at the context of that passage, be it its historical context, its context within a given book, its context within all of Scripture. It's really important that we have a holistic approach to examining Scripture. So let me give you some tools to help debunk this claim that people say, well, oh, the Bible says that interracial marriage is bad. Oftentimes, people who make this claim, they're pointing to the Old Testament, and they, they will have to isolate specific passages in order to do this. In other words, they'll find something, and they'll say, well, look, this is talking about interracial familial activity, and God commands against it. But if we're honest... The only way you can, can take something like that and have this broad, sweeping condemnation is if you isolate those incidents from their historical context and the larger themes in Scripture. And that is not a good way of interpreting Scripture. Again, if the only amount of Bible you know is how to take it and use it as a weapon to discredit and destroy others, well, you don't know that much after all. The reason why people in the Old Testament have these instructions is actually for a specific reason. And it actually doesn't have that much to do with race at all. In fact, race is just a, a proxy. It's a canvas for other issues to manifest. When we find in Old Testament teachings that people are, are commanded or perhaps they're instructed at a given point to not intermingle with people of other ethnic groups, there's actually a reason behind that. 
the ancient world was not the melting pot of the modern West. If you married someone from another race, this also meant that you were marrying someone from another culture, someone who had a totally different heritage, who probably did not believe in the God of Israel and probably believed in some other pagan or idol or something like a God king. And if you were to marry them, this would mean turning your back on your Israelite heritage and the kingdom of God. It would mean turning your back on God. So God was not upset with people for marrying people of other race, but he was upset with people turning their back on not only him and the commandments that he had given them, but he was upset with them turning back on, on their entire heritage, which went past their own lifetime. To be honest, if we look at history, when you married someone from another race, this meant that one of the two of you would have to give up your home culture. Again, the ancient world was not this melting pot that we think of as the world. In the modern West, places like America, we're fooled into thinking that the whole of history has been as it is now. But this really isn't true. People didn't fit into nice little boxes of saying, oh, those people are white, those people are black, and so forth and so on. In fact, you would look at somebody who is a Roman and a Jew, who in modern world might be both considered white, who were vehemently opposed to one another in the ancient world. What we find is that people were quite tribalized, just as they are nowadays. And whenever we see the interracial issue coming up, it's not actually the race itself that's the issue. Instead, it's the potential rejection of God and Israelite heritage that is the issue. The interracial activity was nothing more than a mere canvas by which this problem would manifest. Throughout the Old Testament, we find that there are no issues with interracial marriage so long as the couple is moving into faith as opposed to out of it. So let me give you some examples to help you debunk a lot of these, these bogus claims that people throw out there. So in the Old Testament, we find books like Nehemiah, where at the end of the book, there are clear instructions for the people of God not to marry with the neighboring nations. But guess what? Context matters. Context within that book matters. Context within history matters. And context within the course of Scripture matters. Because in the book of Nehemiah, the people of God, they're not an independent nation anymore. The people, they don't really have a lot of liberties. In fact, they're basically a vassal state of another nation. And this fluctuates throughout time how this works. But the short of it is, in Nehemiah, the people, they don't really own who they are anymore. They're not an independent nation. And Jerusalem, the city of God, is in ruins. Furthermore, the kingdom of God itself is in ruins. In the beginning of that book, we see the character Nehemiah weeping not just because Jerusalem is in shame, but because the kingdom of God is now in shame. People don't know their history. They don't know their heritage. A lot of people have never heard the stories of Moses. They've never been a participant in sacrifice. They don't know who they are. So Nehemiah, he, leaves this, he leads this basically revival where they build the walls of Jerusalem and they have a bit of a spiritual revival and they start to sacrifice. But in the end of the book, when he tells them to turn away from marrying with neighboring nations, what he is doing is he's being honest about the situation. If they continue to assimilate with the neighboring cultures, if they continue to, to marry into them and turn away from their history, because that's a lot of times how the ancient world works, is if you turn away from your history, well, that history evaporates. And Nehemiah realized they were about to evaporate. The reason why they're, again, commanded and told not to marry others is done as an act of preserving Israelite culture. But again, this is not because just of race or the racial tension that goes on in the world or people saying, oh, we hate other races. It's because they're trying to preserve the Israelite nation. Further proof that 
this is not about race itself, but it's instead about heritage and, and faith, can be found with other stories in the Old Testament with people like Rahab. Rahab is a foreign harlot who aids the people of God in taking the Holy Land. It happens towards the end of the, the Exodus movement where the people start off as slaves in Egypt. They, they escape, they cross the Red Sea, they spend some time in the wilderness. They eventually get up and start establishing the Holy, Holy Land. Well, Rahab, she's a foreigner. She's of a different racial group. Rahab, she realizes the calls of the, the people of God, and she says, I want to be a part of that. And, of course, she's a, a foreigner and a harlot, someone you wouldn't expect to be a biblical hero, but she turns out to be a biblical heroine. She's welcomed into the kingdom of God because of her willingness to embrace God and assimilate into Israelite culture. Furthermore, she goes on to marry someone from the Israelite tradition. Again, reminding us that God is not upset with interracial activity, but he is upset when interracial activity is a proxy for separating people, for turning people away from, from God. This is where the problem happens, because that's what happened a lot of times in history. For you to marry or even move to another culture, that would a lot of times mean turning your back on God and turning your back on, on your history. A lot of times we're fooled into thinking that history has been this wonderful melting pot that we have now, but it's, it's just not true. It's, it's not an honest examination of history. But Rahab, not only did she marry an Israelite to establish an, insta, an interracial couple, but she was also listed in the genealogy of Jesus found in the Gospel of Matthew. Again, further evidence that God is not upset with interracial families, but instead he's upset when people turn away from him. If you're willing to move into the faith, then everything is perfectly fine. Again, because that's what actually matters. Our identity is found in, in Christ and in God, not in some group hypothetical abstraction. Let's talk about a few other incidents real quick in the Old Testament, um, because we do find that God as a whole cares much less about people's race, not just in the situation of marriage, but as a whole, God cares a lot less about people's race than he does about people's faith. In fact, the very first call on the people of God in Genesis 12 is that I will bless you, you will bless others, the whole earth will be blessed. And of course, that includes people of different racial backgrounds. The very first call on the people of God and the call on the people of God that other commandments and things are built on is around being a blessing to everyone. And throughout the, the Old Testament, we find wonderful examples of God caring about people who are not Israelites. In fact, from the Exodus account, which begins in Egypt, in the book of Exodus, there are people who are fleeing Egypt along with the Israelites. We find Egyptians who leave Egypt with the Israelites. These Egyptians, they integrate into Israelite culture over time, and the fact that they were a different race did not matter. What did matter is the fact that they were willing to follow God. The original call of the people of God transcends a lot of things in the Old Testament. As we get towards the, the later sections in the Old Testament, we find things like the book of Ruth, which is again centered around the idea that there's an interracial couple, but there's a bigger picture as well. The bigger picture is Ruth, she's a Moabite, she's not an Israelite, she's a different race, but she's willing to trust and follow God, and that story is so powerful that it makes it into the Old Testament canon. Ruth believes in God, and that is more important than the fact that she is a Moabite. And of course, the canvas of the story of Ruth is a interracial marriage. The New Testament takes the issue to an entirely new level. Now, we've talked about debunking things in the Old Testament. Let's talk about better assumptions about the world that we, we find in the New Testament. Because the New Testament quite clearly articulates that one's fleshly circumstances do not matter in the kingdom of God. 
Now, that is not the claim that says fleshly circumstances are not there and that all people are 100% the same. But the New Testament teaches us that our identity is found in Christ Jesus when we are born again. In John chapter 3, we get this beautiful discourse between Nicodemus and Jesus where Jesus says, Look, your fleshly birth doesn't matter in the kingdom of God. It's not relevant to the course of salvation. What is, though, is your spiritual birth. Again, race becomes a non-issue because, well, it's a fleshly circumstance, just like birth order or tribe or wealth or something like that may be. What does matter is, have you accepted the testimony of Christ? As we move throughout the New Testament, we find the well-established theme that there is neither Jew nor Gentile in Christ. Again, that's not the claim that everybody is 100% the same, but it is saying that the only identity that matters is your identity found in Christ. And our modern world really needs to hear that. Our modern world is obsessed with demographic identity, and, and it's become something absolutely destructive, which it was destructive in history when people were hyper-obsessed with, with identity. But in Christ, we're not supposed to think that way. We're supposed to think that, first and foremost, we're believers of Christ who are born again, and that is what matters. And when we start with this way of thinking, the whole interracial marriage thing becomes a non-issue. We find people like Timothy, who's a leader in the early church, and you can find Timothy in the New Testament, but people like Timothy, who are a child of a Greek, his dad's a Greek, his mother's a Jew, well, are they cast out? Does God not work in them? Of course not. God is always working in, in people. The missed ethnicity is entirely irrelevant to the course of salvation and the way that God can use people. So just to, to wrap all of this up, because I don't want to ramble on for too long, um, race has no moral value one way or another. And I know that's going to get some people upset because some people want to elevate race. They may want to, to try to push other things down. Race should not be either pushed up or down. It should, should have no moral issue. In the church, we understand that we are born again and we're children of God and race has no moral value. And there's a lot of people who they say, well, we don't want to be racist. We don't want to, to tear down certain races. But at the same time, they sort of have the, the flip side of that that says, well, we kind of want to build up these and act like there's some sort of hidden knowledge that people have just because they're part of this collective. And that's just as destructive. It's destructive in a different way, but it's a, a attempt at a virtue that ultimately will become a vice. We should remember that our identity is found in Christ. And I want to throw this out there because somebody did point this out to me as a question. And I want to reach out to anyone listening to this. If you have some sort of issue in your life where you've got an identity, maybe you're struggling with something and the, the world wants to put you in a tribe. They might want to say, why don't you, you just embrace being a part of, of the, the tribe of being gay? Embrace the tribe of being black or a person of color, which is the, the sort of new orthodox language. Embrace the tribe of, of being, insert demographic term here. I want you to, to push back on that and say, you know what? The only identity that matters is, have I accepted Christ into my life, and am I being transformed? Because all the things which can come into our life, and there's a lot of sins which can come and tempt us, do not fall into the trap of the collective think, and do not fall into the trap of, of group identity obsession. If you're struggling with any of these problems, please reach out to me, and let's talk about how how we can find our new identity in Christ, and how we can be transformed. If you're struggling with an interracial dating situation and you, you think that that's a problem, if you're struggling with any racial issues like that, instead of us blowing it up into some sort of, 
of Gnostic heresy where we say, oh, this tribe over here, they have some hidden knowledge and they're, they're valuable because they represent this group identity. Instead of doing that trash, let's deal with one another on an individual basis so that we can work together and be wonderful, righteous people who are living up to the calling that God has placed on our life. Our world wants to seek and put us in little boxes so they can divide and destruct our culture and the, the things that we have, have built up. Do not buy into the collectivist mind trap. Don't buy into that pathology. You should have a healthy understanding of I am a unique individual, and when Christ comes into my life, I can be transformed, but I also serve a role in the collective group that is the body of Christ. You can have both individualism and collectivism in a healthy balance. Healthy individuals make for a better group. Don't buy into the trap. Again, times in history where people might have been buying into the individualism trap, we're in a place in time where people are buying into the collectivism trap. Don't buy into it. If you want to get away from it, you want some relief from it, please contact me. And with that, we'll go ahead and wrap this up with the statement that our identity is found in Christ, not racial status. Again, I'm J. Dylan Proctor at Kingdom of the Logos. You can find me on Twitter at J. Dylan Proctor. Or if you want to meet me in the flesh, I'm the pastor of Jolton Church of the Nazarene. Yes, I wear the clergy collar to say that I'm proud of being a pastor, and I'm absolutely proud of being a, a Christian. I'm not ashamed of it at all. But if you want to talk to me about any of this stuff, again, there is no condemnation in Christ. I'm willing to talk with people, and let's all come together because in the church, we, we are not people of hate, but we're people of love and compassion. That doesn't mean that we just say everything goes. I'll give you the keys to rob a bank, but it means that we'll love you. And that being said, have a blessed day.